0: Welcome to the Essential Geopolitics Podcast from Stratfor, a rain company. I'm Emily Donahue. In the next three weeks, the Americas will experience three significant elections. The U.S. presidential election, a referendum to decide whether Chile will draft a new constitution, and a general election in Bolivia to elect a new president and a new congress. Here with guidance on the interconnectedness of all three is Stratfor's Americas analyst, César Martinez. Welcome, César.
1: Thank you very much, Emily. A pleasure to be with you and our audience as always.
0: So Bolivia, let's start there. It will hold an election on October 18th after several postponements. What's the outlook in the country that has had certainly quite a bit of social unrest recently?
1: Absolutely. Um, As you point out, this election has been postponed several times. Uh, this all derives from a year ago when Evo Morales attempted to run for a four-term. Uh, that election didn't end up very well for him. Uh, on one hand, uh, the constitutionality of it was in question. On the other hand, uh, it was deemed uh, uh, fraudulent for uh, by many, uh, and especially international observers. Uh, that led to his resignation, and uh, Bolivia has been under an interim government over the past year. Finally, as you pointed out, several postponements, the election comes. We are not going to handicap and forecast who is going to win. It's a close election with a lot of uncertainty in the polls. What we can know is that there's two clear frontrunners. That's the candidate of Evo Morales' party, uh, Movement Towards Socialism, Luis Arce, who was a former finance minister in his government, and the former president of Bolivia himself, Carlos Mesa, who is a centrist. Um, We don't know yet if the two are going to advance on a runoff or if Arce is going to manage to win on the first round uh, right away. But what we know is that irrespective of who wins, the challenge is going to be big. Bolivia continues to be deeply divided along the ideological and ethnic lines. And putting together policies that bridge these gaps and these divisions will be a challenge for either Mesa or Arce. One thing that facilitates the issue is that none of them is as controversial or polarizing as Evo Morales, but they do have very differing views and outlooks for the country. So that's a big challenge. And another more implication on the economic issues are uh, the future of Bolivia's mining in terms of uh, they have the largest reserves in the world of lithium and of uh, and their natural gas, which is also a very important uh, factor. And if they are going to be able to take advantage of those for economic development or not. And that's, there's a lot of international interest on on helping Bolivia develop and, and take advantage of these resources. But uh, that's one of the economic implications. The other one is it's going to be difficult for any of them to maintain stability and to try to reach these gaps.
0: Another country with turmoil recently has been Chile. Why are Chileans voting on a new constitution? And of course, can you explain some of the implications for this vote?
1: Yeah, it is an important vote, Emily. Chile uh, was one of the other countries that was part of a wave of social unrest a year ago. Uh, in an, the effort to quell this unrest, the political forces of Chile agreed on this referendum to ask the people whether they wanted a new constitution or not. This question has been one of the banners of Chile's left for many years because the current constitution was drafted under the uh, dictatorship of Augusto Pinochet. So they have wanted to change and modernize the constitution. So the political forces agreed and, and called this referendum. A year ago, it was unclear whether the majority of the people of Chile wanted this or not. Today, we know... And this one, we can say with more certainty that the referendum is going to pass because opinion polls show that between 75 to 80% of the people want a new constitution and are going to vote in favor of that. But the implications are very important. Chile has been, for the last three decades, a role model in Latin America of uh, business-friendly, market-friendly policies which have had positive results. Chile has been the most successful country in the region in terms of economic growth over the past two or three decades, of economic stability, more imp- even more importantly, and frankly, of economic development. Of course, there have been many issues, especially in terms of income inequality. And as this matter uh, of economic inequality has moved Uh, not only in Chile, but around the world as a more important issue in the past few years, this has also moved the debate. Once they approve these, they will go into an election to elect a new constitutional assembly next year. And the uh, election, the positions will be whether whatever new constitution they end up drafting will keep the features that have made Chile a very successful model and very attractive to investment And being able to balance that with the social concerns that the population has or whether they are going to go in a completely different direction and instead put a lot of, again, values and uh, concerns of of social equality uh, and more inclusiveness, but in a way that would hamper Chile's development and make it look more like its neighbors, like Argentina. So the big question will be, especially for next year, is whether the Chilean experiment will continue to be successful with some adjustments or not. And given Chile's um, a role as an exemplar of in, in the region, whether other countries could follow its path, its steps or not. And, and that I think that's a very important question.
0: That's definitely an important question. A lot on a lot on the line there for Chile. When is that um election? The
1: referendum is on October twenty fifth of this year. If it passes the uh, election for a constitutional uh, assembly will be in the in in, in, er, in early twenty twenty one, the first quarter of twenty twenty one and then it will take a while to draft this constitution. So it's not something that we're going to see the result immediately. But the debate will be part of the campaign that will start just after the referendum and will last several, several months, a very intense debate we can expect. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, the United States is in the middle of a very intense debate over its presidential election. Could you give us a preview of the main implications for the overall region, particularly for countries like Venezuela or Cuba, which have been certainly targets of sanctions by the Trump administration?
1: Yes, absolutely. And as you mentioned, this will be a preview of a longer, deeper conversation on the effects of the U.S. election on Latin America that we can have next month. But uh, whether Donald Trump gets reelected or whether Joe Biden gets elected as president, it will clearly have uh, different effects on on the region and on what the policy of the United States is. You mentioned clearly uh, countries like Venezuela and Cuba and Nicaragua, we can add there, which have undemocratic regimes. The Trump administration has been adamant trying to remove these regimes uh, in these countries. They have imposed sanctions in Venezuela, as our, our readers know. They have reverted the openness towards Cuba that the Obama administration was attempting. And they have had a lot of bravado as well in terms of the way they refer to Cuba and Venezuela, sometimes more with a domestic eye than an international audience. However, Despite the sanctions and despite the reversal of policy in Cuba, and despite the tough talk, four years later, things are the same. Those regimes in Venezuela with Maduro in Cuba and in Nicaragua are still there, and we don't see them going anywhere anytime soon. So if Donald Trump gets reelected, the big question is whether these sanctions and this approach is going to intensify or... Once the electoral imperative is gone, whether things are going to be forgotten, if the Joe Biden gets elected, whether there will be going back to this Obama policy uh, of trying to reapproach Cuba. In terms of Venezuela, uh, Biden has been clear that they support the interim government of Juan Guaido and that they will also try to get rid of the. Uh, Regime of Nicolás Maduro, but we don't know exactly how it will take shape. Other big question there is about the two largest countries in the region, Mexico and Brazil, which the Trump administration has had uh, a good relationship with, especially in the case of Mexico, caused for a lot of uh, controversial uh, internal debates in Mexico about about the approach that President López Obrador has taken uh, in his relationship with uh, with uh, the Trump administration. But if Joe Biden is elected, there will be some issues that will become perhaps problematic in the relationship with these two countries, talking specifically about the environment. Uh, during the past two years, both Mexico and Brazil have become kind of laggards in terms of environment and environmental policies. And that's something that we know that the Biden campaign really is um, very strong for in terms of, of, of cleaner policies and which might become a sticking point with uh, Mexico and Brazil if um, if he wins. Or we can talk more uh, next month with more in-depth about those issues.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Thank you so much, Cesar.
1: Absolutely. It was a pleasure.
0: Cesar Martinez is America's analyst for Stratfor, a rain company. You can read more of his comprehensive intelligence and forecasting on the region and what happens next with a subscription to Stratfor Worldview. Check out the special price for podcast listeners at stratfor.com slash podcast offer. That's all one word, stratfor.com slash podcast offer. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.